I don't know what you came here expecting, anticipating, but I hope with all my heart that you came expecting, anticipating a move of the Spirit of God. I know, I know some of you walk through these doors and, and, and you're feeling the, the weight of the world on your shoulders. I know some of you walk through these doors and, and maybe you're in a, a crisis of faith right now. There's just, there's just something stirring in your heart. There's some issue in your family, in a relationship, in your body, and you're desperate for God to move. See, I believe God is still moving. Come on, somebody. He's, he still speaks. He is ever-present. He is right here. He's a good God. He still heals. He saves. He sets free. He redeems. He restores. Amen? And he doesn't count anybody out. I, I, I got a text message from a friend of mine who I haven't seen in, in a few weeks, maybe actually now it's been a few months, and, and he texts me and he said, I've, I've not been coming to church because I feel like I've got some issues in my life and I've not felt worthy to be in church. And I said, that's the, church is the, the only place you need to be right now. Come on, it's the, it's the best place for you right now. Who's worthy? Who's worthy? Who doesn't have something? <laughs> that you're ashamed of? Who, who doesn't have some sin issue that, that, that you still sometimes allow to trip you up? Who, who's worthy? I'm, I'm not worthy. We're not worthy. But you know who's worthy? Jesus is worthy, and his presence is here. Amen. So, Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you count nobody out. We thank you that you're near the brokenhearted. We thank you that you're a God who redeems and restores and forgives even the, the worst of sins as we like to categorize our sin. Your word says all sin is the same and one sin is enough to separate us from you. And yet you loved us so much that you sent your one and only son to die on a cross for us, for our sin. Jesus, who was raised from death to life for us so we could be free from sin. We thank you for who you are for what you're doing in the church and for how you're moving even already right now. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on, one more time. Would you put your hands together for Jesus? Y'all can be seated at every location. want to welcome you. You, you, can, you can be good. I, I, I pulled an audible, though. So, um, hey, w welcome to uh, every location, our Hilliard campus, Short North, Polaris, glad you're here. If you're joining us online, on television, or from one of the hundreds of prisons across 49 states. Come on, somebody, put your hands together for, for all the men and women joining us behind bars and from your home. I, I do think it's amazing how the church is able to leverage technology and innovation and ingenuity to, to bring these worship experiences into the homes and into the prison cells of those who are unable to be here in person. I, I think it's incredible. However, I, I will continue to say to the church that there is nothing quite like a worship experience when, when the people of God come together in one space together, worshiping the name of Jesus together. Amen. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 18. He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. 
Now, some of you, maybe you, you look at a verse like this and, and you're thinking to yourself, I didn't, I, I've not seen Jesus yet. I don't know what row he's sitting in. So if you could just point me to where does Jesus sit in this service? Well, well, I think this, this series is going to help you understand that though you may not see Jesus physically in the flesh sitting in a row near you today, he by his spirit is here. Jesus is present and there's nothing quite like the anointing, the, the presence of God that exists when his people come together in one place, in one space and worship him. I'm telling you that there's freedom in his presence. There, there, there's just, there's power in his presence. And when I look at the early church, I, I see that in the early church, they met together daily in the temple courts. They, they did not take for granted the, the coming together of the church. They met together daily in the temple courts. They, they broke bread together daily in their homes. They, they would eat together with glad and sincere hearts. And it, the Bible says that they enjoyed the favor of all the people. There is, a, there is a supernatural favor upon all the people when all the people gather together and worship Jesus. I, I just want you to, to know that. And it is the reason why, I can't tell you how many times this has happened to me, it happens all the time and with our team, where I'll be in the lobby after a service and I'll meet somebody who's, who's pretty new or maybe this was their first Sunday worship experience and, um, and I'll ask them either um, what your experience was like or maybe they'll just approach me and say, hey, um, I, I can't really quite put to word what I felt, I, I, I can't quite put my finger on what is different about this place. I've, I've been to church before, I've, 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 I've read my Bible before, but, and I've sung songs before, but there, there's just something about this place. There, there, there was something about when we were worshiping that, that I've never felt stirred in my spirit before, but it was almost as if I could have shed a tear. Come on, somebody, especially when you're talking to a man who's like a man's man, and he's like, I almost could have maybe, and I'm like, I don't know, I saw you in the third row. You were crying like a baby. Come on, somebody. Crying like a baby. I, I remember one of our very first uh, services, it was in the, maybe the first month or two of our church, there, there was a young man who came to church with his mom who had received a mailer invitation to, to Rock City, and she had a, a sort of like a, an anxiety around large groups of people. And so she called her son and she said, would you come with me to church? And he was an atheist at the time. He was in his mid-20s. And, and uh, he said, I don't really want to go, but, but I'll do anything for you, mom. And so he, he went to church with his mom. And... Uh, she said, let's come back. And so uh, they, they came back the second week. They came back the third week. The third week, he, he's, he's literally standing in the worship moment. We're, we're singing songs. I think we sang like three and a half songs that Sunday morning. The half song at the end was Amazing Grace. We're, we're singing Amazing Grace. This is a, a 25, 26-year-old self-proclaimed atheist. And as we're singing the song Amazing Grace, this dude starts just weeping. He's crying in the presence of the Lord. And his story is, and he'll tell you this, that, that he gave his life to Jesus in the middle of that worship experience, in the middle of that worship moment. And he didn't need a pastor to pray a prayer with him. He, he didn't even need to hear the message. He, he, he just said that there was something about that, that worship moment. I, I can't quite put my finger on it. And whenever I hear that, what I want to say is it's not something different. It's someone. Come on, somebody. There's, there's not something special about the church. There's someone special about the church. His name is Jesus. And Jesus makes all the difference in the world. Jesus changes everything. 
And when, he, when he's present, he makes all the difference in the world. There is power in his presence. And there's nothing weird about his presence. There's nothing spooky or, or strange about his presence. This is why we're spending the next three weeks on the Holy Ghost. Maybe you've, you've heard him uh, named the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, the, 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 the presence of Jesus. We're, we're talking about the same person, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And, and some of you, you're not quite sure if you're ready for a three-week study on the Holy Spirit. You're not quite sure, is okay, is this church that I've grown to love about to get really strange now? We're talking about the Holy Spirit, this person that we cannot see. And yet I would, I would submit to you that there is no church without the Holy Spirit. There are many buildings with signs on the building that say we're a church, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have a church. And so there, there are some people who want to push back on the Holy Spirit. There are others, even in the church, who are active and engaged, part of, a part of the church, but, but that are simply unaware or unfamiliar with the role of the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit has come to do and accomplish. And maybe they're unaware because they, they've not been taught. Maybe they're, they're unaware or unfamiliar be, because they, they've never really chosen to dive in. Maybe some have resisted because they just don't understand. Or maybe some have resisted because they genuinely fear what they don't understand. I, I don't know what the reason is or where you fall when it comes to your knowledge or your experience or your embrace of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you today, there's nothing weird about him. Let's not confuse the Holy Ghost with some weird Christian or some crazy fanatical church full of people that you wouldn't want to be friends with even on their best day. Come on, anybody know somebody like that? Like, like let's not confuse the Holy Spirit with just some wonky person that pretends like they, they've got such a, an anointing it makes them so different than everybody else. Jesus said this of the Holy Spirit and of himself in John chapter 16, verse seven. He said, it is for your good that I go away. He's preparing his disciples for his departure, but he's saying, I'm not leaving you. I'm only leaving you in the flesh. Unless I go away, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, if I leave you in the flesh, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit and it's going to be better for you. This is the only gift that Jesus promised would be better for us, the church, to have the gift of the Holy Spirit than to actually have Jesus physically present in our midst, sitting in a row near you. So what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next three weeks unpacking who the Holy Spirit is and, and why the Holy Spirit is so critically important to our lives and, and to our mission of making heaven full. I want us to understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit that he makes available to his church. I, I want us to understand the, the purpose of the Holy Spirit and the reality that, that we cannot be all that we've been created by God to be apart from the work and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That you have a calling, you have a purpose, you've been set apart, anointed by God for something incredible, but never will you experience the fullness of all that God has for you apart from 
the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so I want to begin with a simple statement today, and I, I think this is going to go a long way as to how we're going to approach this topic, and, and that is, if you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit is not some supernatural force. He, he is not a, a presence to be feared. He is a person to be known. This is really important. The Holy Spirit is, is not some figment of our imagination. He's not some made-up force to be feared. He is a person to be known. The, the Holy Ghost, he's not a ghost at all. Though we cannot see him, he is a him. Come on, somebody. He's a person. And so his, his pronouns are he, his, him. Come on, somebody. He's not an it. He's not an it. Matter of fact, the only, the only place in the scripture where you'll find somebody using plural pronouns for himself, it's in Mark chapter 5, verse 9. Jesus is confronting a demon-possessed man, and he asked the demon, what's your name? And the demon replied, my name is Legion, for we, we are many. I'm just, 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 just letting you all know, like, like the Bible's not politically correct, but, but the, only, the only time plural pronouns are used is in reference to the demonic. God is not the author of confusion. The devil is. He hates you. He hates your purpose. He, he hates God's plan for your life. He wants to confuse. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. God is not asexual. He's not your mother. He is a father. Jesus was and is a man. The Holy Spirit is equally God. He is equally God, and yet he is uniquely different. And so maybe you've heard, I think we, we need to start here. Maybe before we talk about the Holy Spirit, we need to understand the concept of, of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You, you maybe have heard this as the, the, the Holy Trinity or, or one God, three in one, three in one God. However, we, we can do our best to describe how can there be one God with, with three unique identities, equal but different, unique but, but one. And I think there, there is a, a scripture, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. This is actually, it's a, a benediction. So it, it's like a, a closing prayer. But in this closing prayer, I think we learn a lot about the Trinity, God who is one but three in one. And it says this, I hope this helps us all understand the Trinity a little bit better. He says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the grace of the Son, and may the love of the Father, and may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So right here, the all parts, all three parts of the Trinity are mentioned. They're named and their uniqueness stands out. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, each holy and divinely God, and yet each uniquely different and somehow separate. Now, I know I'm going to do my best to explain this, but just understand God is God and we're not. And so because God is God and we're not, and if you believe that God is God and you don't think that you are, you're pretty sure you're not, then there, there are going to be some things about God that we will not fully comprehend or understand this side of heaven. This is our best attempt. And these are, these are man's words uttered under the unction of the Holy Spirit. This, this, is, this is God's attempt to speak in our language to help us understand the best that we can understand who he is and how he functions. And so let's start with the Father. May the love of the Father be with you all. We are loved by the Father. 
We have a Father in heaven who loves us. You are loved by the Father. In spite of your sin, in spite of the mistakes of your life, in spite of whatever you've done, whatever you've said, whatever you did last night or last summer, come on, somebody, you are loved by the Father. He, he's never stopped loving you. John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave. And he gave a really special gift. He gave his one and only son. He loved you so much that he sent his son from heaven to earth to redeem the world of sin, to free the world from sin. That, that is quite a gift. God is not against you. He is for you. He loves you. And I think we've all got a pretty good idea, an understanding of, of what a good and loving father ought to look like. I, I think we, we all know what a father is supposed to be. We, we can sort of comprehend God the father. We who are made in the image of God, meant to receive his love and, and to reciprocate his love as image bearers of God himself. It's why the enemy it has been so hard at work in our culture, tearing down the role of the father. Every sitcom, every television show, when you see a father, they're, they're just continually degraded. And yes, we've, we've done a lot uh, to, to sort of set that sort of ideal up, but it's, it's the reason the, the enemy is doing his best to lure the hearts of fathers away from their families. Because he knows that if he can cause a separation between you and your earthly father, if he can cause you to have a difficult time trusting your earthly father, maybe he can make it difficult for you to trust your heavenly father. If, if you can have some experiences with your earthly father, when you hear about this, this loving and ever-present heavenly father, but your earthly father has never been, maybe one or both of those. He, he's not been very present. He's maybe not been always fully and wholly loving. It, it can become a trap for us. How can I understand a, a loving and ever-present God when I maybe haven't had that experience on earth? If that's you, I would encourage you to lean in today. If you've ever struggled to see God as a loving and ever-present father because maybe you have had a difficult road with, with your earthly father, I believe that, that God the Father, because he loves you by the power and presence of his Holy Spirit and through the illumination of his word in your life, I believe he wants to do some healing work in your heart, in your mind, in your home. We're loved by our heavenly father. We're saved by God the Son, God the Father, God the Son. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Jesus saves us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, watch this. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith in Jesus. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Jesus is the gift. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Jesus, who, who took our place of shame on a cross, he didn't have to, he chose to. That's grace. That's unmerited, undeserved, can't be earned by anybody. Grace, that's Jesus, which is why the Bible tells us in Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. It's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. My blood covers all sin. I can forgive everything. I'm willing to bring anybody in to my family. All you've got to do is ask me to. 
God the Father loves you. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, from heaven to earth to save you. But let's finish the story. Jesus didn't just go to the cross and die on a cross for our sins to save us. He didn't stay dead. Come on, somebody. He was raised from death to life by the Spirit of God. He was raised by the Spirit. May the fellowship of God, the Spirit, be with you all. Watch this. If the Spirit of him of God who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. So we're loved by the Father. We're saved through Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit. Do you see how all of these fit together. So when we're saved, that's when the fellowship begins. And when we're saved and forgiven of our sin, we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we are sealed by God, the Holy Spirit. We're saved by, we're, we're filled with, we're, we're sealed by the Spirit of God. And, and I think this verse will explain this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. So you heard the gospel, you responded, you believed, and at the moment you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. And that seal is the promised Holy Spirit who becomes a, a deposit inside of you guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to, to the praise of his glory. So when you're saved, you're forgiven. You call upon the name of Jesus. You're saved, you're forgiven. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. God the Father loves you. Christ the Son saves you. And God the Holy Spirit inhabits you, seals you. This is what we call one God in three persons, the Holy Trinity. And, and yet, though God is three in one, what we, what we sometimes will do in the church is we will either focus almost exclusively on the love of God, for God so loved the world, and then we just sort of leave it at that. Or we may, we may focus uh, on every once in a while the sacrifice of the son, unless you're my wife in the church she grew up in. She'd never heard salvation preached even once. So, so she heard about the love of God, but she never heard about the sacrifice of the son and why he was sacrificed, and why he willingly gave his life. But if you're lucky, you might go to a church that, that, that emphasizes the sacrifice of the son. But what happens, unfortunately, in, in a lot of spaces is, is we, we neglect the Holy Spirit, who he is, and, and what he does, and, and why he is so absolutely mission critical in our lives. And maybe, again, it's because we just... We don't understand him fully. Maybe again, it's because we've never been taught. Maybe we've never been taught because those who've come before us in our line of faith, maybe they simply resisted the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 19, there's an interesting story because what you have in the book of Acts is it follows the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in the four Gospels, we, we see the, the birth, the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And then in Acts, which is the fifth book of the New Testament, Acts, the book of Acts, it, it covers the historical account, the historical record of the early church, the first church. 
And if you know anything about the early church, the first church, the church was born in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when, 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 when the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit to earth to fill those that Jesus had called to start his church. So when Jesus decides to kickstart this church, the, 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 the mechanism on earth by, by which we link arms with one another and we together accomplish the mission that Jesus came to accomplish, make heaven full, Jesus made sure he wasn't just sending us out with, without any power. He, he made sure that he would give us the Holy Spirit to fuel and to power the mission. And so the church is born of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. But in Acts 19, we're now decades into the life of the church, decades into the life of the church. And it says this, that, that while Apollos, who was a missionary friend to the, to the apostle Paul, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the, the road through the interior and he arrived at Ephesus. If these towns sound familiar to you. We, we get the, the books of First and Second Corinthians and the book of Ephesians. These were letters to these specific churches. Some of the first churches that were, that were started were in Ephesus and in Corinth. When Paul arrives, it says that he found there some disciples, some believers. These are a part of the church. He's talking to a church and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, this is an interesting question because, again, um, the church was born of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, right? And so what these believers say, it's, it's, it's kind of hard, hard to even fathom. Only decades into the life of the church, they, they look at Paul like, I have no idea what you're talking about. No, we, we've not even heard that, that there is a Holy Spirit. We, holy who? What, 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 what are you talking about? Now, now are, are, are they unaware uh, just because they want to? Uh, doesn't sound like it to me. Are, are they unaware perhaps because some simply resisted? It, it does seem to me that, that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost is a pretty big secret to keep unintentionally, right? Like it may be some just simply decided we don't want to talk about that. It was a, a bit confusing. We weren't really in control. So let's kind of let, let's kind of bring the church back into a place where we can kind of function and be in control ourselves. I, I don't really know. All I know is they weren't aware. And so what Paul does in verse six is he places his hands on them and it says the Holy Spirit came on them. The Holy Spirit came on them. Now, next week, we're going to talk about what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on you and, and what, what the power is for and what the power is meant to produce. Today, I, I simply want to share with you a, a bit of his characteristic, a bit of his nature. Who is the Holy Spirit? Now, now the Bible is, is written in, in primarily two languages, Hebrew and Greek. There, there's some in Aramaic, but primarily in Hebrew and Greek. And, and if you can understand that from the, the original languages, we, we have our English translation. And I think you're going to see that the translators were given a very difficult task when it comes to translating properly who the Holy Spirit is. 800 times in the scripture, the Holy Spirit is present. He is mentioned. And in the Hebrew spirit, beginning in Genesis 1, it's the word ruach, and it means a wind, a breath, a violent exaltation, a blast of breath. Now, you can see clearly, starting with Genesis 1, if you're translating this into English, like you're a bit confused because if you take this 
absolutely literally what you would end up with is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Breath. Come on, somebody. God the, the violent exaltation. God, God the violent uh, blast of breath. God, God the wind. Like, like what, what, what do you mean by that? Now, in Genesis 1, verse 2, it says this, the, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God, the breath of God, was hovering over the waters. I don't have this in my notes, but in John 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning, and the Word is Jesus. Amen. He goes on, he said, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So, so Jesus is the Word. This, this is the breath. We see the breath of God, the, the Word of God in the beginning. The breath of God is hovering over creation. And from the, the breath of God, the, the, the voice of God, the Word of God, everything is made. Creation forms and we exist. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. So we're filled with the breath of God, the spirit of life, the, 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 the breath of his spirit. Now, in the New Testament, in John 6, verse 63, Jesus said, he uses a different word for spirit, but he says, the, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. It's the word pneuma that Jesus uses. This is the Greek word for spirit, and it means basically the same thing. A current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. And what Jesus is saying is, he's saying, I want you to know that when I speak, my, my words aren't just empty, hollow words. My words are life to you. I want you to know that when you open my word, when you read my word, these aren't just dead words on a dead page. This is the living, breathing, active word that, that has the power to penetrate the spirit, the soul. It can get deep down into your heart and it can root out all the issues in your life and it can transform you. That's my word. It's, my word is life. My word is, is spirit. This is the living, breathing word of God, the wind of his spirit. Now, now what do we know about wind? How, how can we, what can we learn about the, the, the character or the nature of the spirit of God when, 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 when how it's defined in the scripture is breath of life? Well, let, let's think about wind for a moment. The first thought that I have when it comes to the, the characteristics of wind is that wind is unseen. Amen? You can't see the wind, but you can feel the impact of the wind. You can't tell where it's coming or where it's going, but you know when it's there. You know when the wind is present. I remember when we um, were first opening this building, we, we had um, hung a, a really big, large blue tarp over the top of the Big Rock City sign up on the top of the building, and we were planning for a big sign reveal. But the day before, a, a, a strong wind came through, ripped the tarp off the building. We had to put it back up. So anybody driving by the day before the grand reveal already got the grand reveal. And then the day of the grand reveal, we, we had a bunch of people that were standing in front of the church and we're all looking up and it was a windy day then, then too. And I, I remember just asking the Lord, please don't blow down that, that tarp. Like, let, let us be in control just once, Lord. Just let us, let us, let us do something that we want to do, right? And so um, we're watching and the tarp is just, is just getting tattered and, it, and it's moving and it, it feels like it's about to blow off the building. But I don't remember anybody running inside freaked out because it looked like a ghost was having its way with that tarp. Like, like nobody went outside that day and ran right back inside because they felt the wind. No, no, the, the, the wind, it, it, it feels good. It, it feels 
right. It, it's soothing. It's calming. It, it's comforting. Notice all words meant to describe what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, wants to give to you. And, and when you walk outside, not only are you not surprised by the wind, but you've anticipated the wind. You, 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 you walk outside your house expecting an encounter with the wind. Which is why it's so surprising that people can spend their entire Christian life walking through the, the day by day, going through the rituals and the routine and showing up to church having never anticipated, having not expected an encounter with the Spirit of God. You see, I, I could care less what anybody thinks about my preaching or, or how pretty the buildings are or, or how good a, a worship leaders we have. I don't care about any of that as much as I care about the presence of God in our midst. I, I want people to walk through these doors and encounter the Spirit of God. I want people to be challenged and inspired and, and encouraged and convicted by the Spirit of God because it is His Spirit through the illumination of His Word that transforms us. As nearer and nearer image bearers of God, of Christ. Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you an advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because the world can't see him. The world doesn't know him, but you know him. He, he, Jesus is, is expecting his church to know the Holy Spirit. When, when, when God is present by his spirit, you ought to know that. Like I, I think it's impossible not to know that. If you're in a dead, dry space, you, you might just be singing songs. If there's not a move of the spirit, then, then go find a church where you can, you can encounter the presence. Because I'm telling you, when God is present by his spirit, how can you be in his presence and remain unaware? You can close out off your mind and you can close off your heart and, and you can stand there looking all hard like, like you're just going to resist and resist and resist, but you're never going to stop feeling that tug and that move and that presence of God because when God is present, we can't deny that. His spirit is unseen. Wind is unseen. Wind is unpredictable. We don't like this about God. Wind is unpredictable. Jesus said the wind blows, pneuma, wind, spirit, wherever it pleases. You hear the sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Wind is unpredictable. Now, if you've ever come across some, some kind of wonky Christians, this is where, in my opinion, even myself, where sometimes we've, we've gotten it wrong. When, when we try to continue to manufacture a move of the spirit of God that's long past and moved on. Like... Um, God spoke to Moses through a burning bush, right? He did that once. For all we know, that's the only, we, we see it one time in the scripture. Now imagine if Moses, this great leader, were, were to take that burning bush experience and go find everybody he knows and say, if you've not heard God speak to you through a burning bush, you've not heard God speak. If there aren't any burning bushes in your worship experience, then, then, then you don't have the spirit present. The spirit's not there. Can you imagine how weird the church would be today if we were still trying to manufacture and remanufacture a move of God that had long passed and moved on? We'd have a whole bunch of burning trees in this house, and then, then the, the sprinklers would be going off, and it'd be a mess, and we'd all inhale the smoke and die. But, but hey, at least we were doing our best to encounter God, right? It, it makes no sense. A man once came to Jesus. He said, will you heal my friend? He's blind. Lay your hands on him. 
He's probably asking Jesus to lay his hands on his friend because he's seen Jesus or heard about Jesus laying his hands on sick people and he knows that, that they recover. But for some reason, Jesus decides, I'm not doing it the way you're asking me to. Maybe because Jesus doesn't want the man to confuse the power for the hand. The power is not in the hand. The power is given by the Spirit of God. And so Jesus does something unpredictable. He spits in the dirt and he makes mud with his spit and he throws it in the man's face. And he heals the man in the most unpredictable way. Can you imagine what the, the church would look like and how full our churches would be if every time somebody was sick and needed something, we spit in the mud and we threw it in their face? No, 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 that's manufacturing a move of God that's long moved on. He's unpredictable. And I think the reason God is an unpredictable God is because if we could boil it down to a system, we'd end up worshiping the system. And some of us do. That's why we, we're, we're continuing to manufacture the, the same old move of God. We're still living in the, the same old move of God. We think if we can just keep doing the same thing we've always done, we'll, we'll keep getting the, the same results. But, but see, understand, that's the, the definition of insanity. That, that, that's not the way we've been called to live. I remember one time when I was in my late teens, I was in the midst of a crisis of faith, and, and I was in a, a worship service on a Sunday night, and I was, I was standing there. The pastor was getting ready to, to pray for people, and I, I remember saying to the Lord, God, if, 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 if you don't move tonight, I'm going to give you one last shot. I'm going to go to the front. I'm going to have the pastor lay his hands on me and pray for me. But God, if you don't come through the way I think you're supposed to, I think I might be done with you. I, I just think I might be ready to move on. I need you to move powerfully in my life. I'm, I'm laying out this fleece before you. I, I need you to do something powerful. And so, so I went to the front knowing I'd made this ultimatum with God. And, I'm, and I'm, I've got my eyes closed and we're worshiping, but I'm keeping, you know, every once in a while I'm peeking out at the pastor to make sure he's coming in my direction. And he was. And I was, I was excited about that. I'm like, all right, well, I'm about to have an encounter with God. I've asked God for an encounter. I'm, I'm about to have an encounter. And, and so I'm, I'm peeking, and the pastor's coming near me. And then all of a sudden I peek, and the pastor done switches places with his wife, which really made me mad. Because in my young and immature mind, I, I'd confused the man for the power. And, and so I'm thinking, well, clearly the pastor has more power than the pastor's wife. Come on, somebody. Like, like that's not true. That's not true, but I'm, I'm thinking that's true. Like, like, he's the one with the power. She doesn't have the power, and, and yet he's now praying for people on the other side of the room, and she's now coming toward me, and I was angry with God. And I was like, all right, then I'm done. All right, God, I, I gave you an ultimatum. You didn't hear me. That's on you. And so I'm looking at her, looking at me, walking toward me. She's got her hand out like this, and all I'm telling you is this is my story, so, you know, like, you can take it or leave it. I don't really care if you believe it, but this is my story, I'm telling you. And my, my sister was there. She witnessed it. I had some friends there. They, they saw what happened. This pastor's wife started walking toward me with her hands out, and she doesn't come within three, four feet of me. She never even got to touch me. She just comes within three, four feet of me, and I felt the presence and the power of God so strong, I just fell straight down to the floor. And I'm laying on the floor, thinking, now this is nuts, because God, I just told you, <laughs> and you done did that in the most unexpected way, and nobody even got to lay their hands on me. 
But what I can tell you, church, is I have never again questioned the presence and the power of God. Because for me, now is he going to do that for you? I don't know. Does he have to do that for me again? He doesn't have to. He already did. In the most unpredictable way, God showed up in my life in a way that I, I can never I can never deny him. There, there is power in his presence. Wind is powerful, church. Powerful. It can generate electricity. It can sail a ship. It can destroy entire cities. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Some of you, you're here today or you're watching online right now and you need power because there, there's some things in your life that you don't have the power to fix. There's some issues in your mind. There's some issues in your heart. There, there's maybe an addiction that you've not been able to break. You don't have the power to fix it. You don't have the power to free yourself. You don't have the, the power to walk in your own strength to make it from point A to point B. And maybe somebody's here, you're thinking, okay, I've actually had thoughts of just calling it a day, but not just a day of, of calling it, just calling it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to end my life. Because I don't have the power to overcome what's going on inside between these two ears of mine. I, I don't have the power to heal myself. I don't have the power to break through. If that's you, I'm telling you, you don't have the power, but he does. There is power for you. Wonder-working, miracle-working power for you. His presence is powerful. But then there, there, there are others who, who you, you don't need so much power right now. You just need the refreshing wind of his spirit. Because wind is powerful, but it's also refreshing. A cool breeze is refreshing. That's why when we go on vacation, my wife and I, there, there's pretty much always got to be a mountain range or an ocean view because I can, I, can, I can just walk out on a mountain range or look up at that mountain in, in open space and clear skies or I can walk a beach and just feel the breeze and look up at the sky and look out at the ocean and I'm reminded that God, if you can move these waves and you can keep this ocean in its place and, and you can speak and these mountains would form. God, I'm, I'm going to be all right. There is a refreshing that comes when we encounter the spirit, the presence of, of God. And some of you, your life is stale. Your faith is stale. You need an awakening. We, we just sang that song, Lord, send revival. There, 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 there needs to be a revival in your heart, in your soul, in your home, in a relationship, in your marriage. You're running on empty. And there needs to be a, a refilling, a refueling, a refreshing by his spirit. Let, let, let me ask you to just do three things as we close right now and as we prepare for the next two weeks. Let, let me ask you to, to just do three things. Number one, would you commit to trusting God with your whole heart? Would you trust God with your whole heart? Just give, just give him your whole heart. Just, just say, Lord, I, I might not understand 
everything there is to know and understand about your spirit, but, I, but I, I know that if the Holy Spirit is you and if the Holy Spirit is from you and if the Holy Spirit is a gift and every gift you give is a good gift and I want, I want whatever you have. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't, don't try to figure out everything on your own. Proverbs chapter three, verse five. Would you trust God? Would you trust him with your whole heart? Say, Lord, whatever you have for me, I want it, I need it. Would you commit to, to not taking the gift of the Holy Spirit for granted? I don't want to take the Holy Spirit for granted. I, I don't want to be ignorant. I don't want to resist. If he is you and he's from you, I want, I want it, I want you. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you, it's the most intimate part of your life. Don't take such a gift for granted. Ephesians 4, 30. Number three, would you seek God with all your heart? Seek him with all your heart. Because God's promise to all of us is when you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. When you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. Church, would you stand up on your feet at every location? If, if you're comfortable, would you just lift out your hands to the Lord? We're going we're gonna to worship again just, just for a moment, but I, I want to pray over you and for you. If there's any need that you have right now, now would be a good time to just Say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm available. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm willing to receive every good gift that you have. God, would you minister to your church right now? Would you speak to each one, right, where each one is at? Would you do a work in each one? You know where we are. You know who we are. You know what we need. thank you for your presence, God. I thank you for your Holy Spirit who is living and active and working and moving right now here in our midst. I thank you, Lord. And God, I, I pray right now by your Spirit that you would draw those who are far from you near right now. Jesus, would you, would you bring those who are far from you right into relationship with you? The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. So if you want to be saved, you want to be forgiven of your sin, would you just say, Jesus, here I am. Forgive me of my sin. Take that. And give me forgiveness. I receive forgiveness now for all my sin. I, I receive your Holy Spirit now. Fill me through and through. And Lord, use me to bring others into your presence. Use me to make a difference, empower me by your Holy Spirit. I, I can't wait to discover the good gifts, the good things, the good purpose, the good will that you have in store for me in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Everybody said amen. Amen.